Today I'll be preaching from the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, and I'll be reading from verse 1 down to verse number 9. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. There appeared another woman, another wonder rather, in heaven, and behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was the place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for the wonderful privilege we have to hear from you. We thank you for the Bible and that it is the answer to life's problems and questions and is our guide, a lamp, a light to our path. Dear Lord, I pray that as your word goes forth today, that you would use it, as you always do, to speak to the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls, and that each heart would be receptive to what you have to say. Pray that you'll give me the words you'll have me to say, cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your precious Holy Spirit, that it may preach what thus said the Lord. And if there's someone under the sound of my voice who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, that today that, that one would surrender completely to you and know the joys of sin forgiven. For every believer, that each one would be challenged to take a closer walk with you. Take full control, have your divine way, and we'll be able to praise you and give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You'll be seated. There's a period in the 20th century referred to as the Cold War. And I want to read, by way of introduction, an excerpt from Wikipedia referring to the Cold War and what it really means and what it meant. It says, and I quote, the Cold War was a period of geopolitical tension between the United States and the Soviet Union and their respective allies, the Western Bloc and the Eastern Bloc, which began following World War II. Historians do not fully agree on its starting and ending points, but the period is generally considered to span from the announcement of the Truman Doctrine on the 12th of March 
1947 to the dissolution of the Soviet Union on the 26th of December, 1991. The term Cold War is used because there was no large-scale fighting directly between the two superpowers, but they each supported major regional conflicts known as proxy wars. The conflict was based around the ideological and geopolitical struggle for global influence by these two superpowers following the temporary alliance and victory against Nazi Germany in 1945. Aside from the nuclear arsenal development and conventional military deployment, the struggle for dominance was expressed via indirect means such as psychological warfare, propaganda campaigns, espionage, far-reaching embargoes, rivalry at sports events, and technological competitions such as the space race, end of quote. What is interesting as I observed this explanation of this war was that this Cold War, so to speak, that ensued, it happened after World War II. Now, what is significant about this is that the World War II was a war in which the United States and the Soviet Union, they were allies in World War II. But immediately after having been allies for the duration of that war, they then became opponents. Friends, quote unquote, became enemies. Allegiances changed. Alliances were broken. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? But I mentioned this by way of introduction to help us to draw attention to another war that is currently raging. This is a war where the sides are so clearly defined, my friend, that the opponents will never, ever, ever form an alliance with each other against a common enemy. This war is actually the cause of every other war known to mankind. This war that I'm referring to today, my friend, is a spiritual war. It's a war of good versus evil. It's a war of right versus wrong. And make no mistake about it, this war that is raging, it affects you. It affects me. It affects our families. It affects our churches. It affects our communities. It affects our nation. My friend, this war that is raging affects the entire world. We cannot escape the impact of this war on our life. It's important to note that this war is raging. It is not showing any signs of slowing down. As a matter of fact, if we pay attention to the impact of this war, this war is picking up steam. 
And if you and I are going to avoid becoming casualties, we must be vigilant. We must be wise. We must be alert. We must be aware of what is happening. And I trust that as we continuing this series that I've entitled The War That's Raging, that it would bring a certain level of awareness, sensitivity to what is happening, my friend. We've examined thus far that this war is, in other words, a conflict of the ages. And as a matter of fact, it is a war that, 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 that began prior even to life and time here on earth and continues to rage. And will rage until the end of time. But there are some realities before the conflict. And we're not going to go into detail. But I just want to give you the backdrop. That there are the parties involved. And none other than uh, the God of the universe. And Lucifer, Satan himself. This war began in heaven. This war was triggered even in a perfect place because God has instilled within his created beings the ability to choose. Last week, we looked at not the realities from this conflict, but the reason for this conflict. And we saw that this war started because of pride. It was initiated, my friend, because of pride. And we saw that, that Satan himself, uh, uh, it, it, it triggered because of his devotion to self, his desire for supremacy, and his discontentment with the sovereign. This war that rages and will continue to rage until God puts a final end to it began in his heart. In Satan's heart. Because of pride. But I want us to continue looking at this thought in pertaining to the reason for this conflict to notice today that while this, 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 this war was initiated by pride, I want you to understand it developed because he influenced other people. Now I use the word people here, but understand that they are not human beings. They were angels. But he influenced others. Now I want you to notice here in Revelation chapter 12. That something that started in the heart. Produced an orchestrated plan. To actively go about getting others to share the same mindset. The same mindset that was birthed in Satan's heart. Remember what the mindset was. The mindset was discontentment with God. So the goal is to get others who originally and initially have no problem, who have no issue, to now start having an issue because he had a problem. Be careful when it comes to this powerful, powerful thing called Influence. Now notice, first of all, as it relates to Satan's approach in influencing other people, the first thing on the agenda is 
to pursue support. He was not content thinking what he thought and feeling what he felt by himself. He needed others. I want you to notice in Revelation chapter 12, notice in verse number 4, the Bible says, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. Now we're not going to go into detail in this entire prophetic passage and it's not only prophetic but it's historic as well and it it gives a, a connection between what took place in heaven when this war started to really what will take place even up until the end of time. But I want you to understand in verse number four, this is a reference to the fact that Satan was successful because of his pride to actually convince a third of the angels to join with him and to war against Almighty God. Now make no mistake, he had a carefully planned strategy as to how he was going to get that done. That did not happen by accident. So the first thing that he did in influencing others was to pursue support. Now I want you to understand something else. The reason why we examine Satan's approach, understand that this is a mode of operation that is still in practice today, but understand where it started and understand that it's satanic. So the first thing that he did is he pursued support. It's the kind of approach when you think that you are thinking for yourself, but you're not. You're being influenced. You're being manipulated by someone who is discontent. And so the manipulation is a carefully concocted plan. Now let me show you what the first thing he did. And the first thing that happens when this plan is in operation. He seeks, he or she seeks your allegiance. How does that happen? They become a savior to you in time of need. A support right when you need it. Satan, I guarantee you, understand he's in a perfect place. God is in charge. God is on the throne. And yet... Satan is successful in getting a third of the angels to be discontent with him. Helpful. He's nice. And this same approach is in operation. When an individual is discontent, Listen, being helpful and nice is a wonderful thing, isn't it? We love when people are nice to us. By the way, we ought to be nice to other people. Let the church say. But I want us to understand the difference. The niceness. The helpfulness is with a particular motive. The motive is critical to understand. Because the motive for the helpfulness, for the niceness, is to get you to follow them instead of following God. 
Now you say, Pastor, how do you know the difference? I'm glad you ask. Here's one way to identify the difference. You won't be corrected when you're wrong. You won't be corrected when you go against God. This is a critical key identifier of when you are being negatively influenced. You are soothed in your sin. Pampered and encouraged because to rebuke you might risk losing your allegiance. And remember the allegiance is what is wanted. It's not worth it to correct you because you just might get upset. After all, the mindset is, I need your support more than anything else. Be careful, my friend, of friends who can never tell you when you're wrong, even when you know you are wrong. Be careful. You know on the authority of God's word that you're wrong, but they tell you you're right. Watch out. There's a hidden agenda. So in pursuing others, Satan's approach was to pursue support. Remember, this thing started in his heart. Everybody else was fine. Yet he got a third of the angels, so he did some work. He sought their allegiance. But here's what you got to understand. This thing is not always obvious because it is effected and actualized by a subtle approach. So he's seeking allegiance, but understand you may not recognize what's happening because it is done by a subtle approach. Let me tell you how this thing works. Because we got to bring this thing from what happened in heaven to how it happens here on earth. Why? Because we are involved in spiritual warfare. The approaches, the strategies are the same. So rather than come outright and tell you what to think, here's how this thing happens. You are asked questions that lead you to think in a particular way. What did you think about that, that, that? You notice how that, that, that? So here you go answering questions, thinking that's how you think, but you are being led to think. And now you think that you noticed on your own, but you didn't. You were being influenced. You are being manipulated, get this, to the same place of discontentment that they are at. They're pursuing support. Remember that this is being influenced by the desire for supremacy, a desire for control that is ultimately linked to a devotion to self. Remember that was the driving force. Pursue support. You know, we have a phrase that a saying that says misery love company. 
People don't like to be miserable by themselves. I got to have some other people with me to give me some validity. That's why when one person is miserable by themselves, if everybody is happy, guess what? The miserable person comes around and be happy as well. Can't be by yourself. So Satan here is pursuing support. But I want you to notice something. Listen. I'm not giving this props. But let me tell you, Satan is a genius. Because when he pursues support, notice the second thing that happens that makes him so effective. He plans for the spread. So when he pursues support, he plans within his strategy a way in which it will catch on like wildfire. And let me show you how he does this and how this happens and how you have to be aware of how it happens in the spiritual war in which we are. The orchestrator, the initiator in planning for the spread, they stay incognito. That's another way of saying they stay behind the scenes. Out of sight. Now, in case you don't believe me, I want to draw your attention to an example of this in the word of God. First Kings chapter 21. I want you to see this just in case we haven't done a lot of references to the Bible yet. So just in case, Pastor, you, you're making up a lot of stuff. This is just your imagination. No, no, no. We deal with the Bible. Look at First Kings chapter 21. And I want you to see how an individual who you are very familiar with her name and you will never name your daughter this name, ever. First Kings chapter 21. We know the background to this story. Naboth had a vineyard. And Ahab comes to Naboth and proposes that Naboth give him his vineyard wise, close to his palace. And Naboth said in verse number three, the Lord forbiddeth me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab comes to his house and push up his face and don't eat food because he's upset at Naboth told him that you can't have my vineyard. God himself has forbidden that I pass on my inheritance to another. I can't sell it, not for any amount of money that you would give to me. The Bible says in verse number five, but Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said, why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? I mean, you have to tell me, it has to be some major, you're not even eating food. And he said unto her, because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite. And he said unto me, give me thy vineyard for money or else. If it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel said unto him, his wife said unto him, Dost thou not govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise and eat bread. Let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. 
See how this thing is setting up? She determined that she is going to initiate a process where it will be her doing that he gets the vineyard. Stick with me. But notice the approach in verse number 7. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, I think I just read that. Look at verse number 8. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent the letters unto the elders. Wow. She's doing it. But she stays behind the scenes. Stay incognito. Listen, be careful when you are doing people's dirty work. So he plans for the spread. That's the approach. Listen, he stays incognito, but notice they're always utilized strategic influencers. You notice who these letters were sent to? They were first of all written in Ahab's name using his seal. Jezebel's name nowhere to be found on the letter. But they were sent unto the who? Elders and to the nobles that were in the city dwelling with Naboth. My friend, when it comes to this planning for the spread, there is always a target to use people who will be influential in carrying out their agenda. When you're being influenced, you're not being influenced just for yourself. The more active influences there are, the more effective the spread of discontentment. And here's what happens. It's an exponential spread. Wow. Have you ever seen this in operation? That's how it works. That tells you, my friend, when it comes to creating this unity, it is satanic. Satan, in initiating this war, pursued support. He planned for the spread. And notice, he's setting up something which we're going to get to next week. But I want you to notice, this is always his preferred setting. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? It's a preferred setting that he is setting up for what will come next. What's the preferred setting? Discontentment. Remember, this was the goal from the very beginning. It is to create discontentment in as many hearts as possible. And the discontentment that started in the heart of Satan is now spreading to others. It's not now him alone. It's now other angels and another angel and another angel and another angel while he's behind the scenes. You know, I'm convinced that while this spread was happening, 
And while these seeds of discontentment were being sown in heaven, Satan was showing up at the throne of God. God, we worship you. And we worship you alone. While the discontentment was being sown. That was the preferred setting. It was discontentment. And you know what it was or what else is what's causing? It was a distraction. You know why? Because discontentment takes us, takes away, or takes us away from true worship and service to Almighty God. You tell me, can you truly worship and serve a God cheerfully who you're discontent with? No. It's not possible. So the goal is that there is discontentment. There is a distraction from what we should be doing. My friend, if you're sensitive enough to recognize, you can tell in a worship service when there is discontentment, when there's disunity, when there is resentment, when there's gossip and backbiting among God's people. Why? That's Satan's preferred setting because he knows it has a direct impact on our ability to worship God. And if you understand the mind and the heart of Satan, from the very beginning, Satan wanted worship for himself. So he would do any and everything to take us away from true and sincere worship to God because he wants that for himself. There's a preferred setting. There's an atmosphere that Satan is seeking to establish because that is the launching pad from which his agenda will be accomplished. When you examine the word of God, you get greater clarity for what's happening in the world, not just from a physical standpoint, but from a spiritual. My friend, we are in a war that is raging. And we have to open our spiritual eyes. Listen, it's very easy to be sucked in. It's very easy to actually assist and aid Satan in fulfilling his agenda. It's scary to think about it. Because he doesn't play fear. He uses our feelings and he uses our emotions and he uses our desires to work against us and to work in his favor. And you know what we got to be mindful of? We got to keep the main thing the main thing. That God I'm not going to let anything or anyone hinder me from worshiping you. I got to guard my heart. I got to guard my mind. I got to guard my thoughts. I got to be vigilant. I have to examine my own motives for doing what I do. Because that's where when motives are corrupted, 
it leads to an unfortunate result. Satan he initiated this thing in his heart because of pride. But his next step was to influence as many as possible. We're going to continue looking and examining as to what that allowed, or what that facilitated by way of this war. And understand, even as we examine this, all of this is still taking place in heaven. When you think of the impacts of what is as meant for all humanity, it ought to help us to be wise, to be vigilant, to be aware of its impacts in our own hearts, in our own lives. Why? Because we are not only impacted by this war, but we are involved. And the question is, which side are we fighting on? Which side are we benefiting? You know, you can be on the right side, but the actions and the attitudes and the approach could actually be benefiting the other. And may God help us in this war that is raging to keep our spiritual eyes open, to keep our hearts in tune. Why? Satan will look for any avenue, any opportunity that he can to gain an advantage. And I trust that God will help us. I know he will if we allow him.